Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Amen. How are you going, everyone? Good to be together today, worshipping the Lord. It's wonderful to have uh, all the families in uh, with us as well. Actually, the couple of us do relationship uh, is, is just a brilliant relationship that we uh, have with Baptist World Aid. And I was in a meeting just a few weeks ago with the guys from Baptist World Aid, and they were sharing uh, the trajectory of uh, helping alleviate poverty in that region, in that village area, and just some of the opportunities for us in the next few years. And even to the point where Baptist World Aid are thinking through, how do you build um, relationship and partnership uh, between Nepal and Australia? Wanting to move away from that in a paternalistic, we send some money and do a good thing, but actually how do we um, extend into deeper uh, relationship uh, with our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world. So there'll be an opportunity uh, in coming years as well to visit our couple of us do, and that might be something that you're interested in, or you think, oh wow, I've been giving some money through our heart for the house into that, and it might be something that uh, you might want to engage in as we continue to uh, seek to be Jesus' hands and his feet. We're in this uh, year where we're looking at restore, we're looking at this um, this big theme, our mega theme for the year is what does it mean to be restored under God? You know, God is the one who restores all things. We get this uh, privilege to participate uh, with him. So what we're doing in uh, Nepal with Kapovastu is a part of that. But God is indeed, I believe, wanting to do a deep work in our lives as well. Uh, I believe that this year is a year for us as we go deeper with him. And he does a work around restoration in and through our lives as we seek to live for him and participate on his mission that he has in this world. I wonder if there's been a time in your life where you just kind of haven't kind of got there. You just haven't quite got there. Maybe you've failed or you've let yourself down or maybe you've uh, tried for something and you haven't quite made it. Maybe you've put yourself out there uh, in a situation and it just didn't kind of go your way. Uh, there's some stories, you know, uh, around the world of different uh, examples of this. Like there's this uh, story of Thomas Edison around when he um, invented the, the light globe. And uh, apparently he had like over a thousand different prototypes and attempts. And one day his assistant was talking to him and, and saying, you know, you, you've got all these different inventions and, and you haven't made the light globe over a thousand. And apparently he said back to his assistant, he goes, I haven't actually failed once. I've just discovered over a thousand things that don't work. <laughs> or maybe arguably the best uh, basketballer of all time is a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. And what you might not know about Michael Jordan is that he actually, uh, he, he failed when he was a young fella. He got cut from his high school basketball team. So when he was really young and he was super keen to play basketball, he didn't even make it into his high school team. And he's gone on, uh, he went on to play for the Chicago Bulls. He won a number of championships, like I said, maybe one of the best in all time. And he said this in an interview. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 different times, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I've failed over and over again in my life and that's why I succeed. Just kept showing up, kept being a part of it. And sometimes maybe we can feel a bit like that in our faith journey as well. 
Uh, we can feel maybe at times in our faith journey, in our walk with the Lord, we, we can be discouraged maybe at times. Maybe there's areas in our life where we feel like we're not making it. Maybe there's areas in our life where we keep tripping up on the same sort of thing. Maybe there's areas in our life that maybe it's been going for a long time that we haven't seen breakthrough. But God is a God of restoration. That's what we're looking at this year. He's a God of second chances. And and he wants us to keep moving forward into all the things he has for us. And if we were to stop and not engage with God, it could be really disastrous in our faith walk. There could be areas in our life that maybe we don't engage with God or we put aside or we try and you know, kind of push down. And, but God doesn't want that to be a part of our world. He wants us to engage with him, to move through our challenges and our failure and disappointment in our lives so that we can live into all that he has for us. And today I want us to look at this, this as we look at the great restoration, we're going to look at the life of Peter. And I want us to look at three different scenes in Peter's life. Uh, times where, uh, where Peter experienced disappointment, where he experienced regret, where he experienced uh, failure in many ways. But yet God, by his grace through Jesus, restored him and set him on a path uh, of participating in and through with his kingdom. So we're going to look at these three different scenes. Peter was a really likable person. He was someone, if he was with us today, he'd be the life of the party. He'd be the guy that others would want to hang out with. He was very enthusiastic. He had a lot of potential. He was a strong leader, but he was also very impulsive. And I think there was probably times as we read about Peter's life that he he brought a lot of good stuff. And there are other times where you're just like not quite sure what was going on in that moment. So, you know, there's probably in many ways he's the life of the party, but he's also the guy that's going to get himself into trouble. And a bit of a rat bag maybe at times. And, and you can see that in and uh, through the scripture. But we're going to look at three scenes of uh, his life today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Mark 14. And uh, the disciples have just had some time with Jesus. They've just uh, had the Last Supper. And as they were just finishing the Last Supper, they go uh, out with Jesus. And we'll pick it up, verse 27 here, Mark 14. This is the first scene where Jesus predicts Peter's denial. It says this, This is Jesus talking. You will fall, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. See, in this passage, uh, Jesus himself predicts Peter's denial. And Peter impulsively says, no, this is not going to happen. In verse 29, he says, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. And Jesus carries on to say to to Peter, it's going to happen tonight. And Peter rejects this idea emphatically insisting that he will not fall away. He will not deny Jesus. And from the outside, if you're looking at Peter from the outside of this situation, looking in, and you didn't have any of the insider information, then you would have probably wanted to agree with Peter. And when you look at, uh, when you look at Peter, he was one of the inner kind of circle, in the inner circle with Jesus. 
You know, Jesus had Peter, James, and John were part. They were the three that he really invested deeply in. Then he had the 12 uh, outside of that. But he was in this inner circle. Like he's the guy that got, you know, invited into the upper room with the healing of Jairus' daughter. He was the guy, you know, that got uh, invited uh, to the transfiguration experience. He got invited into these deeper experiences. He's in the inner circle. And you probably would have thought, yeah, if, you know, He's not probably the guy that you would have thought was on the fringes or on the edges. He was bold in proclaiming his intentions. He was the first to make the call that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the only disciple to step out of the boat to follow Jesus. Uh, He had another impulsive moment, which comes a little bit later when Jesus is arrested, where he pulls out his uh, sword and he cuts off the ear of a soldier. He was bold about knowing who Jesus was and declaring that. And Jesus called him the rock. Called him the rock in which the church will be built in Matthew 16. So from the outside, Peter looked like the last person who was going to deny Jesus. And Peter's actions, in many ways, they backed up his words. He looked the goods. He didn't look like someone who was going to deny Jesus. But Jesus knew Peter from the inside out not the outside in. He knew him from the inside out. He knew what Peter was going through in his life. He knew all his struggles. He knew all of his doubts, his questions. And despite what others might have seen from the outside, Jesus knew Peter from the inside. And that might be a confronting thought for some of us today. But it also might be a really comforting one to know that Jesus knows us from the inside out. He knows us like no one else does. He knows you like no one else does. He, he knows you even more than you probably know yourself. And there's times in all of our lives where you think, oh, I didn't even know that I was going to think that or I was going to say that or I was going to do that. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows us from the inside out. He knows our successes. He knows our failures. He knows our secret ambitions, our unfulfilled desires now and into the future. I don't know how you receive that today. I don't know if that's a comforting thought for you or if that's a, one where you feel a little uncomfortable in your seat. But it's the truth that Jesus knows us from the inside out. You know, we, put on, uh, we live in a society where it's so easy to put on a front. Uh, This whole kind of notion of image crafting, uh, you know, putting on our socials what we want people to think or see of us, having a highlight reel, and just this kind of like living with the with the the constant sort of cultural nuance and pressure of narcissism just breathing down our neck. And as a follower of Jesus in this environment, it can be tricky. It can be tricky um, with uh, crafting an online presence or even trying to live a physical presence where it's easy just to put up a front. This is the thing that I want people to know about me. Or even further, this is who I am because this is what I project of myself online. But we all know that that's not the case, right? We all know that that's not necessarily the truth. There's things that we're wrestling with constantly. There's things in the hidden or the, the darker parts of our lives or the shadow parts of our lives that maybe we struggle with. There's a lot of pressure you know, in, in society and culture you know, 
that's coming at us as well. You know, it might be things around your sexual purity and accessing pornography. It might be around your temper. It might be around gambling, online gambling, which is just a massive issue in Australia right now. It might be that you carry with you a judgmental attitude. And when you see someone, you look for what you can think about them rather than accepting and loving them. I don't know what it is for you. You know, maybe it's coming to mind right now, but it's really easy to put up a front. It's really easy to uh, project an image of what we think we want people to know about ourselves. But actually, Jesus knows us deeper than that. He knows us from the inside out. And do you know what's so beautiful? Is that he loves us despite that. Despite that, he loves us. Despite the, the, the things in our lives that maybe we struggle with and maybe other people don't even know about, God loves us. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have forgiveness, restoration, and a new life in him. I don't know about you, but that, that is just one of the most amazing mysteries of our faith because it is so undeserved, this grace that we have from God. And it's something that I think we need to think about and, and consider and bring ourselves before the Lord to drop those walls or that fake front just to actually engage with the living God and be honest with him and with others. So Jesus knows us from the inside out like he knows Peter. And then we cut to the second scene in a bit later uh, down in the passage of Mark 14. I'm not going to read it to us, but in verses 66 to 72, what Jesus actually said comes true. As we look further down the passage, the story unfolds and we see that Jesus is indeed right. What he predicted occurred. Peter denied Jesus three times and it was actually a little innocent girl that confronted him that brought him undone. The rooster crowed, Peter remembered and he broke down and he wept. See, when Peter was under pressure, what was inside of him came out. He was found wanting in the time when he needed to be strongest. You know, Peter was adamant from his last conversation uh, to Jesus that he wasn't gonna deny him, but he did. And it can be the same for us. You might have found yourself in situations in life where when the pressure comes on, what's inside comes out. When life puts a squeeze on us, what's inside of us comes out. And I guess the question for us today is what comes out? <laughs> when we're under pressure, what comes out? When we're on the squeeze like what Peter was in this situation, what comes out? And there's actually an encouragement to take from Peter in this situation as well. You know, Peter spent nearly three years following Jesus full time. And then in this moment, he struggled to stand up for his faith. It's really interesting in some ways that Peter was in that situation at all. You know, um, in verse 50, it says that all the disciples had fled, but then Peter followed at a distance. In verse 54, he was warming his hands by the fire in the courtyard there was this conviction in his heart and in his life to follow. Uh, he, he even put himself in a dangerous position to be recognised. 
But when it came to the crunch, he just couldn't stand up for what he believed in. He couldn't stand up for this man, Jesus. And for us, in some ways, there's a challenge that we find in this, but there's also an encouragement. You know, Peter failed in this moment to stand up for Jesus. And I'm sure, I know in my life, I have many times, and maybe in yours as well, where you've been faced with something in your life, maybe in those hidden parts, and, and God said, no, 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 stand up for me in this moment. Push through with me here. Uh, reflect me in this. And you haven't been able to do that in the moment. Well, you can take encouragement from Peter in this, and you can learn uh, and lean into the grace that God has for us. So let me push this around a little bit further with us today. When you're under pressure, what comes out? Honestly, when you're under pressure, what comes out? And are there any areas in your life where you are disowning or denying Jesus? Are there areas that are in your world that you know? It might be something publicly like Peter, or it might be something in private. But just connect with God now and be brave and be bold enough to push into those areas today. Because it's fair to say Peter was shattered. He was just, he, he was so disappointed. The text says he broke down and he wept. And what did he do? Well, he went back to being a fisherman. But Jesus wasn't done with Peter, was he? So if you've got your Bibles with us, uh, turn to John 21 and let's see how Jesus reinstates Peter. John 21, verses 15 to 19, says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So Jesus meets with the disciples. And they were doing what they knew best. They thought, well, this situation's gone a little bit sideways. We don't really know what life is going to be for us into the future. So what did they do? They went out fishing. And once their bellies were full after a big breakfast, Jesus had this powerful moment with Peter. This really powerful moment. And it would be really great if you could picture it. Try and picture this moment that he had with Peter. And it's like Jesus, the resurrected King of kings and the Lord of lords, he pulls Peter aside. He put his arm around his shoulder and he restores him in the most relational way. You know, consider how Peter must have felt in this moment how broken he must have been in this situation. But as Jesus does with Peter, but also with us today, he initiates the conversation. He asks Peter what's important to him and then he gives him a job to do. He said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. 
He, he didn't simply just say to him, oh, that's okay, mate, just don't do that again. It's a little blip on the radar, that's all right. What he actually did was he gave Peter a fresh commission to do his work on this earth. He reinstated him and he called him to be a shepherd and to tend and to take care of God's people. And this is an image and it's a picture of restoration, of being forgiven, being reinstated, being restored and being sent out on mission. It's a wonderful picture for us to consider what it means to live a restored life. Jesus restored Peter, and it's just not a once-off in history. Jesus is in the business of healing and restoring today, making us more effective and sending us on his kingdom work. See, Jesus is the great restorer. It's Jesus who is the great restorer. doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been. Doesn't matter what the hurt that we might have or, or the sin that's in our lives, Jesus is reaching out to you, to me today, and He's wanting to pull us in close. He's wanting to have a meaningful conversation in a moment where He forgives, where He reinstates, restores, and releases us into the mission that He has. Now, I don't know about you, but these last couple of years have been pretty long, let's say. They've kind of felt like they've kept going. And sometimes it's hard to know how to live and lead uh, in a situation where uh, the foundation is kind of constantly moving around on us. Hasn't been an easy couple of years. I know for me, I've shared with you before, it's probably been the hardest couple of years for me as a leader to lead uh, in and lead through. And these last, uh, in this last week, we had a couple of days uh, down at Victor Harbour and, and I found myself just taking the dog for a walk along the beach one day and just had a longer walk and spent some time with the Lord. And it was a, a really good time for me just to uh, have some time of prayer and have some time of connection with God in a different place. I love being outdoors, love nature, love being by the beach. And it was a really uh, significant time for me in terms of restoration. Uh, in terms of walking, praying, listening, receiving. And when I was thinking about the message for today, you know, it's not necessarily even when we don't quite uh, make the grade and if there's sin uh, in our lives that God is wanting to uh, you know, heal and purify us from and set us on the right path. But it's actually just sometimes the weariness of life and potentially the weariness of this last season. That that's part of the reason that we've been looking at this big mega theme this year of restore because God's doing a deeper work and sometimes a deeper work takes time sometimes a deeper work is where we need to give ourselves to what he's doing time and time again and for me it was a really significant moment where I spent some time with the Lord and just you know surrendered myself afresh before him and just asked him to uh, fill me and lead me and restore me into the things that he has and I wonder have you had these moments in your life uh, have you had these opportunities for God to come and restore? Uh, and one of the interesting things I felt like God say to me this week, he said, Mike, you know how to do self-care. You're pretty good at that. Um, but whatever you've been doing, you kind of need to double it. You, you need more <laughs> of that. And I wonder if it's the same for you. I wonder if there's times uh, or things happening in your life. Uh, and during this season, it's been uh, even more of a struggle uh, because of what we've been going through. And what Peter and his interaction with Jesus shows us here is that he is the great restorer. 
that Jesus is the one who restores. And what's interesting is that Peter goes from this moment and he goes into, in many ways, launching and leading under the leading of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the early church. And Peter's so instrumental, still working out his faith in so many ways. But God, uh, through Jesus, restores him and reinstates him and then sends him off as a leader of the early church. And I can't help but just think what might have happened if Peter just went back to being a fisherman, a noble profession, and in the first century, so important, but not all God had for him. He needed these moments. He needed these moments of honesty. He needed these moments to surrender. He needed these moments to be filled unto God so that he could live the life that God had planned for him. And that's my invitation to us today is to ask God, what is it that's happening under the surface? What is it that's happening maybe in the shadows? What is it that's happening that maybe we don't let other people see? And what's God saying to you today in that? And how does He want to meet you in that place? Like He met Peter, like He met me. And then how does He want to restore you? And it might mean that during this season, you need more of that than maybe you ever have in the past. And that's okay. Because we see in Scripture Jesus as the great restorer. So the invitation today is to come to Him, young and old, to bring yourself to Him and say, Lord, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And surrender and bring yourself to Him. So let's pray together. I just invite